You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait, celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 34 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Uber Snapper Photographer Extraordinaire, Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good, I'm good. What have you been up to this week? Oh my God, um, a lot of writing. I've done a lot of writing and I'm also in pre-production for a couple of very big lifestyle shoots. So, oh, what kind? Uh, well, so um, it's for a couple of uh, different property developments and so it's, I think it's been lifestyle year for me this year. So, yeah, um, yeah we're just uh, getting our head around. We've got location recce's, working out where to put people, who to mm. put in. It's uh, It takes a lot of time it does. to do all that. What about you, Val? What have you been doing? Well, I have moved house recently, as you know, regular listeners will know, and I have been, you know, just in that phase where apart from unpacking, you're getting tradies in, you're getting the internet connected, you're getting some wiring done, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, the internet finally came on yesterday. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the speed is woeful. It's kind of more akin to a third world country. Oh, no. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite oh. tragic. Oh, um, no. So I'm a little bit frustrated and um, we're recording this. I'm in my office uh, and recording this as it would not be possible at home. Right. Uh, but on the plus side, we're sort of settled enough now that um, when all this was going on, what we did was we put all our camera gear um, in the office because we wanted it out of the way, safe place, not with, you know, tradies traipsing tra tra right. all over the place. Uh, but we're bringing it home today. Because we feel at least settled enough that we can bring it home and finally, you know, take some pictures again properly now that, you know, we're not, our mind is not consumed with just getting the electricity on and the phone on and stuff like that. Fantastic. So, well, I know you. you've moved to a beautiful neighbourhood, so I'm looking forward to seeing some amazing shots from you, Val. <laughs> maybe Other than some maybe coffee and my pets. Perhaps <laughs> not the coffee or the pets. How, how about like some shots of the beautiful location you're living in? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give you that know? a go. <laughs> I will. Maybe I'll make the cup smaller and the location <laughs> bigger in the background. I don't know. <laughs> I'll post them to the Facebook group. So uh, if you're listening, you haven't joined our Facebook community yet, uh, search for so you want to be a photographer podcast community and uh, we're in there every day uh, but you have some interesting links for us well a particular link of someone called Vincent is that right yeah, so uh, Vincent Lafore is a photographer that I went to see. Uh, compliments of uh, Canon in Melbourne invited me to dinner and he was speaking there. Uh, Vincent is uh, 
uh, like an, an ex-news photographer. He's been around forever of the day. He's been to war zones. He's, he's done a lot of amazing things. But what he was talking about was one of his passion projects called the Air Project, where he goes up in Chopper's Val, mm. thousands of feet above mm. the biggest cities in the world, and he photographs them. And I have never seen anything like uh, what he's done. And like he told the story of how so can you imagine and i've put a link in the show notes to his shots there but like um i've got a shot of uh his image of new york right mm. imagine flying over the city of new york from a chopper he's hanging out the side wow. legs to the edge of the chopper okay wow. so obviously he's strapped in but at that point I'd be throwing up into my hand, Val. There's not you're not going to get any photos from me because it's like I couldn't. I wouldn't even have the courage to pick up a camera. I'd be. Do you get? Are you afraid of heights? No. Are you afraid of heights? I am. I did not know that. Yeah. So, like, even looking at the shots, I kind of go, I just couldn't do it. But the, the detail in these images is amazing. So, like, he mm. talked about uh, all the logistics that go on in organising a, a, a shoot like this. And uh, what amazed me was, like, so he's got a chopper on standby and the crew that are flying him, and he has to decide, like, are you going to spend tens of thousands on getting everyone in the air to take the shot on a particular night? Mm. And I asked well what was what what's the criteria what you know what are you going to cancel a shoot for he's like if there was one star in the sky and it was overcast and I could see one star there was hope of a good night and he would go up right wow amazing and then he talked he short he shoots at a very uh shallow depth of field so wide open and uh he'd be getting like about fifty percent of the shots, fifty to sixty percent sharp. Because imagine you're in a chopper; it's shaking around, yeah, it's moving right. around a lot. So, like the degree of difficulty is uh, is so high. He was taking like um, uh, he takes about five thousand frames while he's up there. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's shooting on the the new five D S's. So right. uh, he's shooting between an ISO of six thousand four hundred and twelve thousand eight hundred, oh. and oh, wow. they are beautiful. He also um, delighted us all with a sneak peek of his Sydney shots, which haven't been released yet. And oh, Valerie, you live in the most amazing city. Uh, mm. So so um, beautiful from the air, amazing stuff. So. Um, if you haven't seen his work, check it out. It will blow your mind. Yeah, pretty You're amazing. Sick. It's amazing. I'm I'm amazed at how sharp they are considering I know. the circumstances. I mean, you can see actual buses and cars, the detail on the buses and cars and things like that from so far up. He's using tilt shift quite a bit as well. And... Um, and obviously there's some post-production going on. But they are gorgeous shots, fantastic. And, ha- and how pretty the cities look. And he said it's all like the landscapes are changing because of all the use of LED lights in all the buildings. Right. So you're not seeing as much fluorescent, which is the green in there. You're getting all these pinks and blues. And so. And he said in five years that city will look completely different again where mm. people start taking, uh, changing their lighting styles. Mm. Amazing stuff. Okay, so we have uh, a listener question and just remember that if you would like Gina to answer a question, just email us news at com. But this listener question is from Katrina and Katrina has said, hi Gina and Valerie, uh, I've binge listened to all the episodes and now I've 
now that I've caught up, I'm down to my once a week dose. Friday mornings are by far my favourite drive to work now. Anyway, the reason I'm writing is to ask how you calibrate your monitor. Very, very good question. I have a five-year-old MacBook, wow, that I've been calibrating with a colour monkey smile, but the colour monkey has died on me. Do you calibrate with some sort of device or do you just adjust your laptop setting somehow? I'm also considering moving away from the laptop altogether and buying an iMac. Well, geez, five-year-old MacBook. I'm surprised you're still going. Do you have any advice on whether a desktop Mac or MacBook is better for photo processing? I'm a Mac girl, so not even considering a PC. And like to hear your opinion. So, Gina, take it away. All right. So, you know the saying, Val, about <laughs> once you go Mac... <laughs> You never go back. Oh, is that the saying? I thought it was different, but go on. (laughs) So so, um, I I too am a Mac girl. But the thing about Mac and PC is if I show a photo or put a photo online, there's no way. You can't tell if it's, oh, oh, that was processed on a Mac or that was processed on a PC. So um, in terms of what you get, uh, I think it's it's much of a muchness. You, the PC computers are just as fast. The screens are amazing. Like it, it's a it's it's a style thing. It's like I I love the interface of of Mac. So um, I love I prefer Mac myself. Um, in terms of whether you should uh, buy laptop or desktop, I I think. Um, I like to have both. So I like to have a laptop for when I'm shooting on location and I'm tethered. And then I have a desktop for when I'm processing my files. Uh, the, the workaround for that, I think a good idea if you just want to go laptop so you've got the best of both worlds and budget-wise you don't want to have two computers is to get a second screen so that when you're retouching yeah. your your images, you can get a screen that, that you can calibrate easily yeah. and you use that to work with and so then you can have a larger screen and, and do all your work. And sometimes I'd suggest even get a, a second um, uh, keyboard as well because the keyboards on the laptops are a bit frustrating to use sometimes. And I would suggest that the choice, because Katrina has said it's, a, you know, whether it should be a desktop Mac or a MacBook, I would suggest that the choice is actually between a desktop Mac or a MacBook Pro. You definitely don't want the little tiny MacBooks because I've literally just got a new one, a new MacBook, and I love it, but it's tiny, tiny, tiny. I use it for my writing. When, I, when I'm looking at my images, I look at on a, on a desktop or a, or a larger, um, like a MacBook Pro. So definitely don't get the MacBook, the new MacBooks because they're tiny, tiny, tiny things that are even smaller than the MacBook Airs used to be. Oh, really? Yeah, they're lighter, smaller, smaller screen, everything. So if if you're making a decision, it's between a Mac and a MacBook Pro. And I think the other thing to consider is uh, because you possibly be – I know I'm working with uh, both Lightroom and Photoshop. Sometimes at the same time, you're going to need a computer that's going to be able to take uh, that kind of grunt. So look for something with – you you need a a good processor on the the, uh, computer. So you want lots of RAM or give that uh, to, to make it run really fast and um, keep all your information there while while it's running. You don't get that uh, spinning wheel of death the whole yep. time, which is really uh, frustrating. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm using – I've got a couple of actually iMac uh, 27 inches, and then I've also got uh, a couple of other computers because <laughs> – 
you never have too many. <laughs> um, so when I'm on location, I've just got my uh, my laptop, and that's perfectly fine. Although I've seen photographers that will cart around the 27 inch uh, iMac as well. Um, mm. In terms of monitors, Katrina, I think uh, you want a, a screen that can be calibrated. There's certain screens that you can't. So if you're going to be doing a lot of color work, um, and and it's crucial to your job, then I think I'd look investigate uh, what kind of screen. So um, what I use uh, for my um, color uh, calibration is uh, I, I've actually got a spider, I think it's called a spider, um, to calibrate with a spider 4 pro and it's uh, like a little device that actually goes you get the software you download it uh, you set this device on the screen and it'll actually accurate accurately calibrate the monitor and I do that about once a month and apparently you're supposed to do it like if you knock your screen you can knock it in and out of calibration so if, if that's something that's uh, really important to you then um, uh, consider go going for one of those uh, you can actually also ca camera stores will hire them out as well so mm. you might want to just uh, hire one uh, once every little while or even get together with a group of four friends and share it around between you because I think they're quite expensive to a few hundred dollars yeah. uh, for memory so um, we'll put the link in the show notes but that's spider spelt s-p-y-d-e-r for and there's a spider five now pro yeah mm -hmm. yep. yep great so I'm excited about this week's topic because this is the, we're going to talk about the ultimate portable portrait lighting kit because let's face it, uh, most of us don't have, I know you've got a studio, Gina, but most of us don't have the luxury of a studio. You know, we've got yeah. our own home, we've got a garage or, yeah. you know, something like that. I've got an office space that can sort of double the studio, but it's terrible lighting. It's yeah. only good at certain times of day when the natural light is beautiful, um, but it's very limited. So it, Really, we will have some kind of lighting, if, especially if we're going to clients' places and we need mm. some lighting. So it's the thing is that there's, you've got photographers who are just starting out. They don't want to buy the whole shebang yeah. because it's just not economically sensible. Um, but then you've got people who uh, have a bit more experience, can spend a bit of money on, on lighting. So what I'd love to cover in this is, you know, regardless of your budget, what is your idea of the ultimate portable portrait lighting kit, which is <laughs> quite a mouthful? <laughs> it is, isn't you it? Know? <laughs> um, well, like you touched on something really interesting, Val, in your intro there that you were talking about. Well, not everyone has the luxury of having a studio. And I, I'm, I'm actually seeing trends are, are really changing, particularly in the last um, five to ten years with photographers. In that, and, and I'm noticing that a lot, higher percentage of my shoots are happening on location now and there's a real trend towards like more lifestyle uh, feel towards photography so less of that studio look um, and so I'm needing to be uh, really creative with how I come up with ways to to light on location so at, at every at every level um, I think that, that this should be a great solution where you can come along and uh, bring bring a few lights and, ex and extend the opportunities that you can shoot in. Because if they're just looking at daylight, there's only so many things you can do. But when you mm. can add a light or two, you can do a whole lot more with that. 
Mm, mm, wonderful. Okay. So where do we start? Do we talk about the, you know, must-have gear or, or what do you think? All right. So the, the thing with gear is um, people get really carried away and, and, and think that it's like, and, and, and I'm like this as well, it's, it's like I see every different light modifier and type <laughs> of light and light stand and I want them all. I yeah. want them all, like, you know, because do you do a bit of uh, impulse buying? I know you do, Val, <laughs> right? And uh, although, you know, although the irony is that even though I have 5,000 tripods, as oh, you know, do you think yeah. I can find one single one of them now that I've moved? They're somewhere oh, in a box oh, somewhere. You don't know where they are. <laughs> no, I've got to keep unpacking, but anyway. So I, I've, over the last 25 plus years, have collected every single modifier under the sun. You know, I'm buying them all, but and, and I love a bargain too. So mm. I've been buying a lot of really crappy ones as well because I'm like, ah, oh, 20 bucks, 20 bucks there. And sometimes I thought, oh, well, do, do I need to buy um, the top notch of all the gear? So sometimes I've bought like um, uh, sort of, budget quality uh, light stands and all of that. And so I've got this whole room, Val, where I now store <laughs> all that guff. And in the middle of it is my uh, Ab Crunch Pro. <laughs> one of those? I never bought one, but I have been tempted. You know, so um, I'm, I'm sure that, 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 that a lot of the listeners have done stuff like that where you think it's a good idea at the time yeah. and you buy something and it looks great and it's like I can apply this to photographic uh, equipment. Um, it, it, then you pull it, put it, pull it out of the box, put it together, it's impossible to put together and then when you go to use it, it's not a great experience because mm. it's like it's uncomfortable or bits break and then it never works as well as the first day that you got it. So I apply my Ab Crunch Pro <laughs> protocol yes. whenever I'm buying any gear. So like there's 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 a few things that I, I, I want to consider um, when I'm buying stuff. So you want to make sure that it's um, it's it's easy to carry around. Okay, and it it's got to be um, it's got to be easy to use, and it's got to be light. You know, so these are the things that are, that are, that are critical when I'm uh, looking at uh, new gear to buy because I don't want to end up having something that I that I hate using, mm. and and it's um it gets uh, chucked away with the the ab ab king pro. <laughs> in the back room with mm -hmm. the other, all the other guff that I've bought to go along with it. So um, the thing that you need to think about is like, and a lot of people get confused about, is like when do you have to buy like pro gear or, or when should, is it okay to buy like a, an entry level sort of budget brand of stuff? And there's certain things that I'd say it'd be a better idea to buy this as pro um, or even if you're a new new newbie. yeah yeah you okay may, all right so, go on. so buy well for certain items and other items it's okay to just get the uh the entry level um all right so let's you know, it's, so just like there's a few questions like when you're looking at any kind of gear val is it's like what are you going to be using it for in the end so is it yeah, only right. something that you're only taking it to book club every sunday <laughs> Because you want to take photos of books? <laughs> yeah, of the people that you go to book club with. Or are you going to document your trek down the Amazon basin or the running of the bulls, right? Mm -hmm. Or your next Ironman challenge, everything that you'll be doing at some point. Or are you going to be doing 50 weddings a year with this gear, mm. okay? Or are you still learning and you just want to use it for every opportunity you can get? And so yeah. now if, you, if you're going to be taking your gear out sub-zero temperatures mm. and, 
you know, it, where it's crucial and you're taking thousands of frames, this is when I would consider going with like sort of pro level because that's what that's what you get when you're buying pro. You get yeah. in a certain build and they're built to last yeah. and they're built to, to, to be taken out in sub-zero extreme temperatures and, and they have all those qualities and that's what you're paying the big bucks for. So if you're going to be using something over and over and over and over again, then yeah go for your life and pay. But if you're not, if you're just starting out, I sort of uh, recommend a, a stepped approach to a lot of things where you can maybe start with um, even secondhand gear, Val, because yeah. it allows you to buy a better quality of gear to get you in. You did that with your 5D? Yep, yep. And um, yeah, rather than buying... Uh, paying the same price, you would have got an entry level camera brand new. Yep. We got you like a like a pro camera yep. uh, at an entry level price. So so that's the advantage. And I actually um, recommend that that happens with a lot of gear and a lot of lighting gear. Um, mm. So um, just so what are the things that like I, I'd consider buying secondhand, and they include um, things like tripods. Mm. And lights and so with tripods and lights i actually light stands mm. i recommend that you if you can buy once but buy well because like val your five tripods are all, <laughs> all of them yeah they're crap they're not even, you couldn't even you know how some people have them like around the house that's on you can't even do that they're just they're ten dollar tripods yeah okay they could have uh, been 15 oh my god <laughs> Yes, I take your point. It's time for me to invest. So people will spend 500 plus on a camera. Mm. And also when you're buying lights, you know, you can spend uh, anywhere between $100 and a few thousand dollars on a light. Mm. Why would you then put it on a $10 stand? Yes, yes. It's like you're just asking for trouble. And so, yes. you know, um, it's you've got to um, bring out the um, – the Ab Cruncher Pro protocol <laughs> here, you know, and when it comes, because I've got next to the Ab Cruncher Pro now, there's five light stands that I thought, you know, these these are good enough. Twenty bucks is yes. a big treat, and they were for the first three times that I used them. Mm. But they break and they break really easily, and it's frustrating. And then you down. So when it comes to tripods, light stands, try and. Um, Try and buy the best that you can. I've got about four um, light stands that I bought secondhand, and they're they're Manfrotto, and they're fantastic. And they will never—they're like an old, an old, you know, car from the fifties. It's like they mm. last ever and ever. There's nothing to go wrong with them. So um, that's my suggestion with with those. The other um, uh, stands that I use, uh, like the extendable poles, are really are really handy and. Um, Sort of. What do you mean exactly by the extendable poles? So rather than using a light stand for a lot of um, my lights when I'm on location, I like to work with. You, we've talked about this: the voice-activated <laughs> stand. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And they, the actual voice-activated, they're, they're, they're known as human beings. Is that right? The voice-activated component come in all different levels and sizes. <laughs> you just choose one that you like. Okay. 
all right? Yeah. And then you get them to hold this extendable pole and then on the end of that you put your light and that means that I can, because when I'm shooting I like to have my light over right over my subject, over yeah. my model. So that's what I use. Um, and they that that's like uh, a fair amount of my shooting on location happens like that because we can move quickly mm. and the assistant follows me around with the light. Yeah. Uh, th- when I'm not using those, I'll use uh, single light stands and like I said, like really beware of those sub $15 stands because mm. they break. But um, there's a good one that I've uh, put in the notes, the LumiPro LP605, which is actually targeted at beginners, but it's really well made and it's a good a good light stand. Okay, great. Um, I also love working with uh, C-stands or booms, Val, and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're a light stand that have got like uh, – one stand that like a light stand, and then they've got a cross arm, which mm-hmm. means you can have your light right out of the shot. Yeah, and, and the light stand, and then I, it, it's like having uh, a voice-activated stand, but it's actually a mechanical one version. Okay. Of it. that's what it's like. A they call the boom, and then I've made uh, MacGyver booms in the past as well, where I where I've gotten uh, two light stands and you super clamp them together. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't, then you don't necessarily need to have um, the boom. So um, those are like buy well when it comes to um, buying stands. Yeah. So basically if you think you're going to have an assistant or a friend, some kind of voice activated stand, a human, uh, get an extendable pole you know, because that makes sense. But if you're not, you don't really have that option unless you get a boom stand. Yeah, yes. exactly. Okay, great. All right, apart from stands and tripods, which we should buy well, yeah. what what else should be in our right. So let, let's get into talking about uh, what kinds of portable lighting we can buy. Yes. And, and just what is it that you – because there's, like, there's so many, you, you know, you're getting 100-watt seconds or 400-watt and mm. – what sort of ba- there's there's all different kinds of battery packs and there's all different price points when yeah. it comes to port. It's very confusing. I find it very confusing. It's very confusing. So you don't have anything at this point, do you, Val? In terms I, of I've writing? got sh- quite shitty things, which you've you've, you've told me that. <laughs> I didn't say that in that. I think I'm sure I was more polite, Val. <laughs> <laughs> Did not just come out and say they're shy? <laughs> Anyway, go on. So, so, so clearly uh, I need to buy a new one. So the ones that you've got are continuous lights, Val. So That's they're right. the ones that you plug in and you use those for a lot of your filming. What I need to get you onto is portable flash gear. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, and there's there's all sorts of different kinds. And I, I can remember that uh, my the, the first time I decided to get into portable lighting and sort of lighting outside of the studio with flash gear, I bought um, uh, a no-name sort of uh, knockoff brand and set up. Uh, it worked about 70% of the time. Really? that I use it, it because it was like a little bit cheap, a little bit unreliable. So it was a bit of a complete nightmare to use. So, and the recycle time between frames. So the time, so you take a shot, bah, flash, mm. and then you want to take another one, right? Mm. But because it's battery operated, it's not instant. You've got to wait. Right. Okay? And wait. <laughs> 
and wait. So you've got like important people standing in front of you and yes. it's like so the dialogue goes, okay, all right, everybody, take a shot. That was a great shot. And it's like I'm glancing out of the side because there would be a red light that says it's not ready on the – so the mm. pack's on the floor, but I could see and I'm waiting for it to turn green. Yep, yep, that was great. So what I'm going to get you to do – yeah, you, so I'll just get you to move around. I'm still waiting, Val, for the light. Mm. It's like five to ten seconds. Yeah, right. That was agony, all right? So that this was like I renamed this light the Shite Light 300. <laughs> the Shite Light 300. So, um, but I had that for a few years and do and you know what? It, it like it got me out of the studio. I got some – I still managed to get some great shots. It wasn't perfect, mm. but it did the job, okay? Yes. So the, the, you can buy in. And like, um, and the other thing about it is, you know, that it was heavy and mm. slow to use. So, um, you know, annoying, but it got me there. Yes. A few years later, I got talked into buying the top of the line Val, like yes. a $7,000 portable lighting kit. Wow. The top of the line, Ant's Pants. Oh, my God, you're going to love this. This is the best thing. Gorgeous light. Yes, it was. It's like the Mercedes Benz of portable lighting. So mm. it was gorgeous light. Heavy duty, fast, fast, everything was amazing. Okay? Mm. Weighed a ton. Right. Is that the butt? Okay. <laughs> so I would fly with this kit. Oh. I, and I would have to um, get a second seat on the plane because oh. it put me over every time. It was oh, the, no. Yeah. So, so very frustrating, heavy to lug around. And also, for some reason, this was not designed for like real portrait shooting. It's more for advertising where they shoot really slowly on advertising shoots. Three shots in a day is heaps on an advertising shoot. Right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, we've had this conversation before yes. when we do advertising. I'm like, sort of finished the brief in the first hour because I'm yes. used television where it's like get 50,000 shots in a day advertised yeah. like okay we'll just uh is, uh four shots is that okay can we get two days enough for that shall we get another bus in for you what else do you need <laughs> so this light was suited to that sort of pace but me I'm doing you know 3,000 shots a day it really didn't suit me and so I had the best lighting system ever and it didn't suit me. And so what I ended up settling for was something in between, which is light, mm. fast recycling, and suits my needs. So it's like the, 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 the Goldilocks and the three bears. So I had to find the one that suited my lighting style. So when you're looking for a lighting style, it doesn't, you know, the best isn't necessarily going to be what works for you. And then maybe the cheapest will have its downside. But I managed to make the cheapest work. But just mm. I think it's worthwhile testing out and there's a few uh, things that we need to consider as well when we're looking over the gear, okay? But it's so, expensive to test them out. It's not, it's not like you're buying them. You can go and hire and, right. and stuff out as well. So okay. you can hire different lighting kits and mm -hmm. different brands as well because they all have their own little idiosyncrasies. Like I mm. love, love, love the lights that I have now. I've got Allen Crom Quadras. Love them. But the, the attachments for the accessories, I hate them. Okay. They're just very poorly designed, and it's one of the downsides of the light. The, probably the only downside is that they're they're fiddly. What what kind of accessories? What are you talking so about? So when I'm adding light modifiers to my oh, light, right. 
the part that attaches, and this is one of the things that I'd like everyone to look out for when they're buying the new light kit, is um, is what accessories can you buy for that particular light? Do you need special ones? Are they are they easy to attach to the light? These these are the, the factors that uh, you need to look at. Oh, do you want some more other things that you need to look at when you're buying lights, Val? <laughs> yes. Okay, so... Um, what um how much power are you going to be using so have a think about like for you val what sort of what sort of things would you be lighting you possibly single portrait shots yeah mainly I and i say. think i see you doing stuff that's in low light conditions i can't see you going out and photographing say 50 people on the beach at midday no and trying to overpower the sun because if you're trying to do that you need a lot of grunt in your lights right so that's yeah. not the work so the thing that you need to con consider is um you know how much power do you need mm. if, and, and and what sort of lighting needs so you're going to be shooting photographing big groups of people uh outside in bright sunshine or are you going to be doing a lot of like single portraits low settings where you might not need lights that are that powerful Okay, yes. so that's yeah. a thing. The other thing maybe is the uh, the quality of the the light that you're looking for. So each each different each different um, lighting brand has will have a slightly different look to 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 what the lighting looks like, uh, and that that's also affected by the modifiers. But speed lights look slightly so speed lights look slightly different to um, portable uh, strobes that you can get. So everyone's got a slightly different look. Just back up a bit when you say what kind of power needs you need. So I'm not quite understanding uh, what you mean there. I, I mean, I understand what you mean in terms of determine, you know, whether you're going to shoot a lot in the indoors or you're not going to sh shoot very much. You won't need as much power. I don't understand what so the lights, next step is. Lights are all measured by uh, sort of watt seconds. Okay, yes. so uh, you, you know what a speed light is. It's the portable uh, flash that you get. Yeah. Uh, with your camera, right? So a little speed light like that, that, that comes um, like the removable flash that comes with a the camera, they're at 100 watt seconds, okay? Mm -hmm. That's what they're measured at. So one of those, you can have that set at full power and you could probably take that outside at midday and if you were shooting, say, wanting to shoot at F22, Val, mm -hmm. and you had that flash at full power, it would probably be able to light up the scene that you need, mm -hmm. but it would struggle in terms of um, it's not powerful enough right. to give you enough um, light in certain yep. situations. So yep. if you wanted to light 15 people, right, that one little okay. flash is yes. not going okay. to okay. cut it. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yep, so, uh, yeah, one speed light e e equals four of my um, Elenchrom, one of yep. my heads. Okay, so that, that's just how they work. Yep. So we've talked about the quality of light, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing you want to look at is how many, um, how many lights do you need? Yeah, right, because obviously if you want to shoot 15 people, yeah. you need more lights. <laughs> So what sort of stuff? So, I mean, I recommend as a starting point that you start out with uh, just one light yes, and then move up to a second one. So um, so generally when you're looking at kits, you want to be able to have, if you're going to be buying a battery kit, you want to be able to have the option of adding another 
light to to the kit. So you could maybe buy the battery that's got two outputs, but only buy one light. Ah, right. And then yes. you might buy the second light down the track. So that's like my Allen Crom kit that I use now does that. Many of the others that I recommend do that as well. And and then you're not stuck with uh, one kit that only has one light source, and then yeah. having to pay the same money again. So consider that um, uh, before you uh, jump in and invest. Like how, how many lights? I think um, portrait but on light. On that point, then. What if you were to start off with one light? What would it be for general? Not not groups of fifteen people, but say you know most people who are into portraits generally shoot one person. Yep. And you know get started that way before they move on to fifteen people. So what would that light be? So the first light I'd start out with Val is a speed light. Okay, that would be my first uh, light to have as a lighting experience as a next step from daylight. So you have the speed light that you've possibly been using on camera. Mm. Okay. That's the that's the first light that I would use as as a portrait lighting. You get that speed light off camera, get the right modifier with it and uh and use those. Um so the the thing with uh speed lights is they're 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 quite pricey. Um, mm. But the advantages of them are that you can – they're so – this is my lighting of choice when I travel overseas now, Val, because the airlines are so strict on weight that mm. I will take a couple of speed lights and use those as as my main lighting with some modifiers. So they work really well. Um, so like, uh, like a, a brand name, Canon or, or Nikon, will probably set you back about five or $600. So, so they're quite uh, expensive, but – there is a really, really great alternative for under a hundred bucks, and it's yep. called um, the Yong Nuo. Yong, Yong Nuo. Nuo. We'll yes. put the link in the show notes. Five sixty-three. I think they're up to, and and uh, they're like the. If you look at the build and you're going to pick them apart, they're pe- perhaps not as robust as like a Canon or a Nikon. Mm. Uh, you know, where you put the batteries in might be a bit flimsy. There's a risk that, you know, bits might break off, but they work yep. and and they do everything that a, that a Canon, Canon or Nikon does, but like they're about 70 bucks. Great. You know, so I, I think that as a first light – uh, is yeah is they are they're US start. US sixty six dollars new from BH Photo Video exactly so the That's next the thing three. the next thing that you can buy that you need to buy to have uh, a good portable lighting kit are the remote triggers okay yes. so yes so again I started with like thirty dollar triggers that yep. I used to go with my Shite Light three thousand <laughs> right and um frustrating as anything to yeah all right stuck on center court photographing a um grand slam champion uh sweating he was impatient and uh i got my shite light on i've got my 30 dollar uh remotes and they kept going off because there was a forklift in the building and, <laughs> like I, I was like struggling to get my shot i got my shot in the end this was what would happen every time I used them. So um, mm. I missed a lot of shots, mm. but again, Val was better than having no light at all. 
You yeah, know? right. So you make them work. You make them work. They're not as consistent. So again, I can recommend you can get triggers anywhere between thirty and three hundred dollars. Uh, yeah. I'm using uh, Pocket Wizards now. They're really uh, like almost one hundred percent reliable. Um, and uh, but. The Yong Nuo have mm. uh, triggers as well, and you can pick those up for forty dollars, and they're good. They right. work, so worth worth picking up. So, like you've got um, a trigger there for forty dollars. You've got a seventy dollar light, so that's like under a hundred dollars. We yep. just need a modifier and a stand, and you've got a kit. Okay, yeah, fantastic. So if you don't want to spend the forty dollars, you can just buy a sync cord and. Uh, put that yep. from the camera to the light and that'll set, set it off as well. But then you've got another tripping hazard, so you kind of need to uh, watch mm. out. The other suggestion is uh, maybe uh, higher and, uh, and, and higher different um, uh, triggers. Uh, so you, you will get them when you hire the lights. So when you're testing lights, you can test the different brands of triggers and find the one that, uh, that suits you best. Mm. Awesome. All right. So, yeah, that's great. So that's, we're building a great kit here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So mm, makes sense. next thing is uh, Val is shaping the light. Yes. Okay. So, um, th- and just a reminder to everyone, there's an episode on light shapers so, uh, that we've already done. So have a look for that. Exactly. And um, so, but the, the thing with um, light shapers, the thing that's most frustrating for a lot of photographers when they're learning about um, uh, light modifiers is they'll go straight in and I know I did this and it's just like, okay, I want a light, I want five lights in my shot. And you get all right. the lights in and I want to use a beauty dish and I want to hmm. use hard light, soft light. And I bumbled my way through that but I never really sort of got my head around what each style of lighting did. I never kind for a long time didn't really know if it worked, why it worked and which mm. light was giving me the best quality because mm. I'd have every, every, every sort of lighting uh, set up in there. So I actually, <laughs> I actually think that there's a protocol here called the Bruce Lee protocol, Val. Okay. What's the Bruce Lee what protocol? Bruce Lee do. What would Bruce Lee do? And there's a famous quote that he says, I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Okay, so the Bruce Lee protocol, I think when it comes to uh, learning how to light portraits, is to take, start off with one light and Mm. one modifier and master that. And then move on and add a second light and a second modifier and 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 master that until you're a hundred percent confident mm. that, that you're understanding what what each modifier is 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 doing. Don't move on to the next one. It's just going to make it really easy. So so like so. My question to that then is, yeah. we've you know, if we're starting out, we've got our first speed light, and you've made a yeah. great suggestion of one that's very affordable, and yep. we, that's our one light. What should we get for a general, you know, single portraits for our one modifier? Okay, so the most common thing that that uh, is recommended is to get an umbrella. Okay, mm-hmm. and I tend to agree they're a great modifier for um, when you've got your training wheels on because uh, it's a soft light, it spreads light everywhere, mm-hmm. and they're really easy to use. All right, mm-hmm. the thing I 
dislike about umbrellas is uh, when you're outside and you've got a, an umbrella attached to the uh, light, it's it's like any little gust of wind. If an mm. old man with emphysema walks by and coughs, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. your light goes over. Yep. So that's, I mean, umbrellas are fantastic. And, and so, like, you can pick one up for 20 bucks, honestly. So it's worth, it's worth getting one. But, mm. like, I want you to, that's the Be white careful. belt. White belt. No. So white belt is when you, you master uh, natural light first. What's okay. the next belt? Yellow. I guess. Yellow belt in Bruce Lee School of um, Kung Fu or whatever it is that yes. Bruce did, uh, martial arts. The next belt, so I would get the umbrella, but but after you've like had a play and gone, okay, I like how this, this, this works, this whole lighting caper is cool, mm-hmm. get rid of the umbrella and get something like an umbrella box. And that is basically a combination of an umbrella and a soft box together. So... So right. what it is, open it up like an umbrella and it's got the umbrella shape, but then it's got another, um, it's got another uh, facade on it, like, yes. uh, like a softbox. Yes. Okay. So it's all enclosed. Like a lid. A lid, yes. And so outside, and it gives you a really beautiful soft light valve too. Mm-hmm. So it's giving you similar lighting to to an umbrella, but with that softbox control as well. And then there's nowhere for the wind to actually get in there, or that lady right. with emphysema to cough and knock it over. <laughs> okay, all right. And I've noticed that you've put a link in the show notes to one a Cowboy Studio Pro 30 inch Octagon umbrella speed light softbox, which 38 is bucks. only thirty eight dollars. Fantastic. So a great little a great little um, sort of umbrella box to Excellent. get you started, you know. Mm. So so that's a good one. Um, so after that, so after you've mastered that, I would then move to um, the soft box fell, which is like an ideal uh, second sort of uh, lighting uh, modifier to get, yes. and. Uh, really easy to use and again you're working with soft light so I would stay um, and and sort of work my way through all the different soft lights before I went into the hard light modifiers which are modifiers like um, grid spots and beauty dishes which are actually really hard to use Val and that's I think why a lot of people get so frustrated is this is like well I don't understand why my light's not working the way I want it to be because it's like you know you've you've got your yellow belt and trying to do brown belt stuff (laughs) brown's just one down on black Val okay in the Bruce Lee school of lighting okay (laughs) if he's had his own lighting school Bruce Lee (laughs) You can create it. And okay. so you learn how to light, but you know what I've always wanted to do? What? Like punch through. Like how do they do that when they just punch through? Um, oh, wood. Yeah. How do you Yeah. Like, you should try Give it a go. You could do it. Punch through, mm. but I'd like to do the kick because I reckon that looks more impressive. Yeah, awesome. But the ebb, you know when they jump and then they spin and then they kick? Oh, yes. How cool is that? You yeah. did kickboxing. Yes, for a for a period, I need to get back into that. Champion, you trained with like a world champion. What's the story? She was an Australian national champ, national champion. Are you scared of her? 
I was quite scared of her. <laughs> like, I'd just go, oh, my God, I'm, I'm just going to throw up. She goes, go on, throw up, come back. <laughs> I go, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I remember. And I just, you know, we'd be at, at it and then I'd just go, oh, my God, I can't do this anymore. And she went, why not? <gasps> like expecting an answer. How long did you train with her for? Oh, a few months. And how many times did you cancel? Because you wouldn't dare, would you? Go, oh, no. <laughs> Well, it was training in a tin shed, so it was a bit unpleasant. So I did cancel on really hot days. Yeah. Yeah, she would have fronted up, but I wasn't going to do it. I would have thrown up even more. But anyway, we digress. We're not talking about kickboxing. We're talking about portable lighting. But basically, I think this makes a lot of sense. If you're just starting out with your own lighting... <clears throat> Then, uh, you know, Gina's advice of spend the money on tripods or light stands. Yeah. And if you are going to be by yourself, get a boom stand, something where, you know, you, you can just work by yourself. If you yeah. have a friend who can help you, get just an extendable pole that you can put your speed light on. With your speed light, it doesn't cost very much at all, which is fantastic. With your speed light, Jean has given you the suggestion of the Yongnuo. We put the link in the show notes. It's only $66. Yes. Um, and, a, and a modifier, and again, we'll put the link in the show notes, but your modifier doesn't have to cost very much at all. And you can start off with the, 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 an umbre- the umbrella speed light softbox, only mm-hmm. 38 bucks, fantastic. Yep. And um, it's a great start to your kit, isn't it? Yep. And then so, at, but build on it in terms of, you know, if you're at the next level, then you're going to try a different kind of softbox and a different kind of light and, you know, plan ahead so get a battery pack that's going to have two points in it. Yep. This, this is great advice. Mm. So, yeah, I've, I've uh, created uh, four different lighting kits in the show notes there, Val, and mm. I've got budgets of starting at uh, 200 yeah. for an entry-level one, going all the way up to uh, 7,000 for the uh, top. Whoa, 7,000. Yeah, dream on. Um, there's uh, lighting called Profoto B1s, and they're, they're – uh, they're lights and the batteries are actually in the head of the light. So it's like one self-contained unit. So just one light and that's it. Turn it on and they're incredible. They're $4,000 uh, for two heads. Wow. So the, that's, that's amazing. So the, the, the packages or the, the levels, are, you know, if you're starting out, I'm going to start out with this $200 level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your next level is $400. Then yep. Jean has put together one at $1,500 for yep. those of you with a bit more uh, experience and one for $3,000 if you've got a bit more experience and, of course, that high-end one of $7,000 if you've, um, you know, really heavy-duty stuff that you do and you've got a bit more experience under your belt. But I love it. Well, and yeah. and we've, we'll put all of the links and the different sets, um, different levels in the show notes. But um, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode, whether you found it useful. But this also brings us to hashtag Gina Challenge. And what do you think our hashtag is this week? Oh, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee? <laughs> Are you serious? All right. <laughs> We'll call it Hashtag Gina Challenge. 
and the theme is Bruce Lee. You can interpret that however you like. Now, one thing that we've realised, uh, especially from everyone who is in the Facebook group, and if please do join the community in the Facebook group. We share our photos. You know, we share ideas. Gina and I are in there all the time. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I've realised is that everyone is at a different point in listening to the episodes. So, in fact, we've got hashtag Gina Challenge, but some people are doing lighting, some people are doing style, some people are doing portraits, some of people everyone's doing a different topic so what I want everyone to do is put hashtag genie challenge but also hashtag style or hashtag comfort zone or hashtag black and white whatever yeah. it is whatever the theme is that you're following so that we we know which particular group of you know which particular hashtag Gina challenge you're doing and uh, upload you know upload your shots to Instagram or come over to the Facebook group and join and put your hashtag Gina challenge shots there because we'd love to see them uh, you know I've, I've just been amazed at some of the shots that have been in there and I they're know just, they're good aren't they oh they're really vary you know a lot uh, and, and in in terms of um, in terms of subject matter and I love that and 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 they they're absolutely fantastic it's so inspiring to see say what's happening around the world from all different people. But that um, brings us to the end of this week's podcast, Gina. What are you doing this coming week? So I continue to write and um, I've got... Uh, what's, what's your upcoming book on again, Gina? The, I'm not allowed to say, remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. We're going to reveal that soon, on, everyone. It's on, um, it's on photography. Oh, yeah. You think. <laughs> okay. And, um, yeah, so I've got a couple of big shoots uh, this weekend, lifestyle shoots, and uh, so that's it. There's no life at the moment. I'm just working, Val. Yeah, you? right. Well, I don't have much of a life at the moment because my house is full of trades people mm. uh you know just getting everything organized and sorted out and fixed and stuff like that so i can't wait till that's just all over but at least you know i'm settled enough that i feel like i can have some time to take some photos now that are beyond just my iphone photos so awesome can't wait yes. to see Belle. Now, if you would like Gina to answer a question, please do email us, news at ginamilitia.com. But also, as I said, join the community on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. But even more importantly, join Gina's newsletter. It's awesome. And uh, you'll, just, you'll find out how to sign up for that and get a free ebook at ginamilitia.com. So until... Next week, I'm Valerie Koo. You can tweet me at Valerie Koo, K-H-O-O. And, of course, you can tweet Gina at Gina Militia. And uh, we look forward to chatting to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.